Uh, let's take our Bibles, please. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. Uh, this is the last service of the year. Welcome uh, to our last service of 2022 when we meet together on Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, well, Lord willing, we'll meet, Brother Richard, no matter what. If we do meet, it'll be 2023, and praise God for getting us through another year. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Um, it matters. Being in church matters. It's Lord's desire. Uh, being here tonight matters because God cares that we're here tonight, assembled together. Uh, it matters because he cares uh, that we be here. It matters because he's called us to assemble together. Uh, it matters because he works in our hearts as we assemble together. Uh, it matters because uh, you've been called uh, to be an encouragement to each other. And, um, you know, some people say, well, I, I don't know if I can be an encouragement to anyone. Just being here is an encouragement. Just being here is an encouragement. There's no, no better place to be. Uh, praise God. I know there's a number of other people that uh, would like to be here tonight, but who can't. I was getting calls all day today. I started to wonder if anybody would be here tonight. <laughs> uh, numbers of people could not be here tonight for various reasons, and I always appreciate when people let me know. Um, I, I don't know. That, that's always just uh, touched my heart when people let me know when they can't be here. Number one, you don't, you don't worry about them. Not that we wouldn't worry in a sinful way, Brother Gary, but it just says, it says hey, I, I, I understand that I, I should be at church, and uh, I, I would be there, except that, you know, something prevents that. Uh, and, Pastor, I just want you to know that I always, I always appreciate when folks let me know. Second Kings, Second Kings chapter uh, 13. I'm going to pray, and let's, let's jump in here. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for being uh, with us, for meeting together with us tonight. Lord, I thank you uh, for sustaining this assembly throughout this year. Thank you for uh, bringing new faces to us this year. Father, we're grateful. Thank you for adding uh, members to our church this year. Lord, we're grateful. Father, uh, thank you for those who are able to come out tonight. Uh, Father, I'm grateful. I know others are watching us online tonight. Uh, Lord, thank you that uh, they have that opportunity of course, it's not the same as being here, but it's, it's the next best thing. And so, Father, we thank you uh, for that. Lord, I pray that you help us tonight as we look into your words. I pray that uh, use me, help me. I need that. I pray, Lord, that you help us to give our attention to you and to your words because they do matter. They really are your words, and they do matter. Father, thank you tonight for the privilege to have a Bible in our hands open. Uh, and an accurate translation of your inspired and preserved words. Father, help us to see the things that you would have us to see tonight and to apply them as you would have them to be applied uh, by each of us individually and by our church corporately. Father, we love you. We thank you. We ask that you work here now these uh, next several minutes. Lord, we, we thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. So I think it was, it was two Wednesday nights ago, right, when we were last in 2 Kings, back in chapter 12. Uh, we saw a number of things, but, but certainly uh, as we looked at the, the life and the reign of Jehoash, uh, we were reminded that consequences, sorry, I'm going to say that backwards, decisions have consequences, amen? Uh, decisions have consequences. You made a decision to be here uh, in church tonight. That has an effect has an effect. The Lord is pleased. 
uh, you'll be blessed, uh, no doubt. Uh, look for those blessings uh, as you obey. Decisions have consequences. Uh, they always do. Joash's, sorry, Jehoash's decisions uh, had consequences. You know, he started out pretty well uh, living uh, with and, and under the uh, oversight uh, of the priest, uh, preparing him to serve, to, to uh, serve as king. Uh, as he followed that which he had been taught, he, he did pretty well, made some reforms, uh, but incomplete reforms. And incomplete reforms led to uh, incomplete, more incomplete obedience uh, and bad decisions uh, and consequences. He, he was killed. The Lord allowed him to be killed, uh, no doubt, no doubt as a result of sinful choices. Choices have consequences. Lord, help us to get a hold of that. Help us to understand that. Uh, sin has consequences. Uh, obedience uh, has results also. A uh, consequence of sin is, is uh, a lack of blessing, perhaps correction. Uh, the, the consequence or the result of obedience is, is blessing. Brother, our, I, I'm so thankful for God's blessings. Uh, I'll say every time I, I say that, I have to add, I don't deserve them, uh, but I'm thankful for them. Uh, look with me here, 2 Kings um, chapter 13 tonight. We see uh, Jehoaz. We see uh, Jehoaz. Uh, we're up in the north, in the northern kingdom, uh, in, in Israel. Um, his uh, wicked reign uh, we see here tonight, followed by the reign of his son, uh, Jehoash or Joash. Remember, some of the difficulty or some of the complexity here is some of these kings uh, are called by more than one name. Zach, at the same time, uh, at, at some points in history, the king in the north has the same name as the king in the south, uh, or at least it appears to be that way. Uh, and so, by the way, that might be the reason that we see one, being, one king being called by more than one name, to distinguish him from uh, the other king uh, with the same name. And so there's a little bit of complexity here, but as you read and study, you can kind of discern these things and, and understand. Sometimes, uh, Gary, you, you get into some, these kings and some of the complexity and the following it. That causes us to kind of slow down uh, and, and read again, uh, read slowly, read again, uh, meditate a little bit until you kind of see. That's not a bad thing. Uh, that, that's a good thing. Excuse me tonight if I'm rubbing my eye. My eye is bothering me a little bit tonight, but it'll be okay. Uh, it's okay if uh, complexity, difficult things, causes us to stop and slow down and reread uh, and meditate. In the end, you end up, no doubt, seeing more than you uh, would have otherwise. Second Kings 13, verse 1. Here's uh, Jehoaz. Uh, his wicked reign in the north. In the three and twentieth year of Joash, the son of uh, Ahaziah, king of Judah, uh, Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, began to reign over Israel uh, in Samaria and reigned how long, church? Seventeen years. Good, good job. Uh, why Samaria? Well, remember, Samaria uh, is serving at this time as the capital of the northern kingdom, Israel in the north. Rich, the capital should be uh, Jerusalem for everybody. We understand that. Uh, but as the, when the kingdoms divided, uh, well, the northern kingdom felt they needed their own capital. And so Samaria uh, becomes uh, the, the capital 
uh, until the, the kingdoms have uh, reunited. Verse 2, uh, he did that which was evil, remember, uh, whose uh, uh, eyes uh, saw the evil. Uh, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord defines what is obedience. The Lord defines what is evil. The Lord defines what is holy. He defines what is righteousness. Uh, this king did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. What did he do? Well, he followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, uh, which made Israel to sin. He departed not uh, therefrom. He did not depart from uh, the sin, the idolatry that Jeroboam permitted uh, during his reigns. That could he have? Could he have departed from that sin? Could he have said, I'm not doing that. Uh, I don't care. Um, uh, I don't care if there's an expectation politically. What I care about is OB. He could have, right? Uh, he, it, it, just because one who came before him sinned, Maryland, doesn't mean he had to continue the sin. We've talked about this many times. He, he could have said, I'm the king now, and, and yep, you're called to follow me, but I'm called to follow the Lord, and so I'm going to lead you uh, in following the Lord rather than in uh, sinful idolatry. He could have done that. He could have made that choice. Uh, he did not. He followed the example uh, of those who went before them. By the way, guys, young guys, Oliver and Josiah, the easiest thing to do is to follow the example of those who've gone before you. That's the easiest, most natural thing. That's the thing that people tend to do by default. If you have a godly mom with a godly example, follow that example. Praise God for that. Uh, praise God for that. Um, you, you'd be thankful for that. You thank God every day for the example of a godly mom. Remember, though, re remember, though, that... Um, Brother Art, I think it's true that bad examples are easier to follow than good examples, right? Uh, the most natural thing, the easiest thing to do naturally is to follow a bad example. And we, we need to keep that in mind, stand guard against that. I was not always a perfect father. Uh, I wish I could go back in time, Marilyn, and be a more perfect father. Zachary will have to keep that in mind. Keep in mind some of the mistakes that I made and stand guard against just kind of walking in the example of an imperfect dad. Uh, you, you wish you'd go back in time and, and, and be a more perfect parent. You can't. You, can, you need to do it right the first time as best you can, right? And, uh, and hope the Lord will help you in that. Uh, stand guard against following imperfect examples. Pray, Lord, help me to follow good examples. Uh, read scripture searching for godly examples uh, study them and ask the Lord to help you follow them. Uh, this, this man, Jehoaz, he could have chosen to not follow a sinful, ungodly example. He didn't. He did the easy thing and just followed the example that, that was not godly. Uh, that, that was easy. Well, the Lord, of course, sees this. Uh, he did that which was evil inside the Lord, verse 2. Yeah, sure enough, the Lord saw it. Uh, and the Lord does not let his people continue in disobedience forever. He may for a time, and, and you know, he does allow us to continue in sin for a season, uh, but eventually he steps in uh, with correction. See verse 3, here's the consequence of the sin. Choices have consequences. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. That's a consequence of Jehoaz's sinful choice. 
He chose to follow a sinful example. The Lord saw it. His anger uh, was kindled. Now, Brother Art, when the Lord's anger is kindled, that's never uh, a good thing in terms of what's coming immediately, right? I mean, I realize you could, you could view that differently. You could say, well, okay, the Lord's uh, anger is kindled. He's getting ready to correct, and if people will yield to correction, that is a good thing. I understand that, but I also understand his correction is, is frequently not easy to receive. Uh, verse 3, the anger of the Lord was kindled, and, and he delivered them, uh, the people of Israel, into the hand of Hazael, king of Syria, uh, friend or foe he's a foe <laughs> he's not a friend uh has not been a, he's, he's been an enemy uh for a time now and the lord it seems has used him uh, already uh to chasten or to correct the people and he's available uh here once again he delivered them into the hand of, of hazael king of syria uh, and into the hand of ben hadad the son of hazael uh, all their days uh, and so the Lord says, listen, you, you can, if you're going to choose to continue in this sin, you can make that choice. You can make that decision, but it's going to have consequences. Uh, and, and sure enough, the Lord says, okay, uh, Hazael and, and your son, Ben-Hadad, I'm going to uh, give you free uh, reign to, to come in and, and oppress my people uh, for a time, for a time. By the way, doesn't this sort of harken back to, uh, in a moment, maybe you'll see this more clearly. I probably should save this thought, but I already started it. So you think back to Judges, right? Uh, the people would, would I'm not going to say fall into sin. They would choose to sin. Uh, the Lord would allow them to suffer oppression from an enemy uh, and allow that to continue uh, until there was repentance, right? Uh, repentance. And the Lord would raise up a leader to deliver the people from that enemy. Uh, there was sin. People suffered consequences. When they repented, the Lord delivered them from, from the consequences. But what happened? So that there was one round of that. What happened after that? What happened after the first round of sin and suffering and um, and repentance and the Lord raising up a, a deliverer. What, what happened after that first? That they, they continued to cycle through that for a good, I forget how many years, uh, a good many years, over and over um, and, and over again. Um, why? <laughs> why? Uh, why? Uh, the Lord has said that there will be consequences for sin, uh, why, why do people ignore that and choose uh, sin instead? Uh, why? Why do, they, why do they choose that? By the way, where's the first case that you can think of where the Lord says, hey, don't do this. If you do, there will be consequences. Where's, where's the first place in Scripture you can remember seeing that? Where? All the way back to the garden, right? Uh, and the serpent came in, and, and he said... Um, what was the consequence the Lord said would happen if they, they would die? And serpent came in, Genesis 3, 4, and said um, unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So God said one thing. Serpent says another thing. God said there will be consequences. The serpent says, Satan, there won't be consequences. God said there will be. The serpent said, no, there won't be. There, there won't be consequences. Why do people choose 
disobedience, knowing that God has said there will be consequences. Why do we choose that? We think we can get away with it. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I, I know God said there will be consequences. I can see this over and over, all the way through the time of the judges. Uh, one round of that, two rounds, three rounds, four rounds, five rounds, six rounds, seven, right? Over and over and over again. Uh, you could see God told people uh, later on, there will be consequences for your idolatry. Began to prophesy captivity. Uh, God said this is going to happen and used a number of prophets to warn the people uh, of consequences if, if they would not get right. And they did not get right. Uh, they continued in sin. Kings who made partial reforms left the high places in place, allowing the people to continue in idolatry. Why? Because they don't believe that there's actually going to be consequences. Um, do you think that um, we suffer from the same faulty belief at times? Do you think? Do you think that um, Adam and Eve both may, maybe suffered from that? Serpent came in and said, ye shall not surely die. Serpent must know something, Brother Art. Yeah. He must know something. He, he also said, you'll become as gods. Not only will you not die... But, but you'll become as gods. Huh. Not only will we not suffer consequences if we sin, but we'll actually experience uh, something great, something uh, maybe better than God's blessings. We'll receive something better than what God uh, might offer us. Um, Satan would have God's people to believe a lie that you can sin and not suffer consequences. Brother Art, he's been doing that all the way back to the garden. You know, you, you, it's okay. you don't have to go to church. You don't have to serve God. You don't have to give. You don't have to minister. You don't need to pray. You don't need to be in God's word. There's no consequence. This is the lie of the enemy. There's no consequences. And yet the constant message of the Bible all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the earliest chapters of Genesis, is that sin has consequences. Don't allow yourself to take up the lie of the devil that it does not have consequences. Um, you've chosen to come and, and be here tonight. That's, that's obedience. Uh, you can expect God's blessings. Another choice, you could expect a different outcome. Um, Praise God. Brother Art, when, when the Lord doesn't just pour out, rain down uh, correction and chasing upon us, you just have to say, thank you, Lord, for being gracious toward me. Right? Thank, thank you, Lord, for being gracious uh, toward me. Look at verse 4. Jehoaz besought the Lord uh, and hearkened unto him. So uh, he sinned. He did that which was evil in God's eyes. God allowed uh, Syria to come in and oppress them, chasten them, uh, not unlike the time of the judges, uh, and not unlike the time of the judges, uh, Joaz, as he experiences uh, this sin, he, he finds some uh, faith again. One, one man called uh, this king's face faith, crisis faith. He was able to drum up a little faith in the midst of a crisis, a crisis that was the consequence of his sin. Better to ask the Lord to help you remain faithful 
before you're suffering a crisis uh, of chastening. But, okay, I understand we, we've all been there. Jehovah has besought the Lord. <laughs> yeah, he's experiencing a crisis, chastening the consequence of his sin. Um, and just like the people back in Judges, he said, I better, I better get back to the Lord because this is not good. He besought the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto him. Uh, thank you, Lord, for a reminder that we can always cry out to you. Always. In the midst of the worst, most horrible trial, uh, in the midst of the worst, most difficult correction of God, you can cry out to him and expect that he will hear you. In fact, you should cry out to him and expect that he will hear you. The Lord hearkened uh, unto him. You know, <laughs> you, you look at a chapter like this, Zach, and, and you think so a lot of people will be tempted to say, yeah, there's no value in studying these old historical books. Oh, yes, there is. Because people have not changed. Our natural tendencies have not changed. The spiritual battle that we're in really hasn't changed. And God has not changed either. You study the choices of these people um, uh, in, in, in this day, uh, you're, you're studying the natural tendency of, of people uh, who are tarnished by sin, the consequence of sin. Uh, you're, you're gaining insight into our natural tendencies, specific things that we need to stand guard against, specific things that we need to pray against, uh, le learning to expect, hey, um, when, when, I, when I'm tempted to believe the devil's lie that sin doesn't have consequences, no, that's a lie. It does. Eventually, the Lord will chasten you. Hopefully, you'll cry out to him in the midst of that, that correction. And when you do, you can know that he will hear you. So, you know, a dusty old history book is not just that. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, this is God's word. It's here for, it's here for a reason. Jehoash besought the Lord, and the Lord hearkened unto him, for he saw the oppression of Israel because the king of Syria oppressed them. God knew. He saw the sin. He saw the oppression. Uh, verse 5, And the Lord gave Israel a savior so that they went out from under the hand of the Syrians, and the children of Israel dwelt in their tents uh, as before time. This savior here uh, is, is probably not uh, Christ. The word is being used uh, a little bit differently, a little more practically uh, here. They, they, they required someone who would save them from the oppression of, of, of Syria. Now, of course, they knew that the Lord would have to intervene, and uh, as he lifted his hand, he would withdraw the permission uh, that he gave Syria to chasten his people. This probably refers to Joash or perhaps Jeroboam II late, later on. Uh, the one who, who God raised up to deal with the Syrians practically, militarily, uh, to rescue the people from uh, this enemy nation who God had used uh, to chasten them. So this is a rare case where that, that word Savior is probably not an allusion to Christ, but to a man that God would use uh, to rescue the people from um, the consequence of their sin, this chastening. Not Again, not unlike what the Lord did during the time of the judges. He, he raised up a savior uh, or a, a, a rescue or one, one who would rescue the people uh, from the consequences of their sin, freeing them from um, the, the um, consequences that they experienced. Verse 6, nevertheless, 
Nevertheless, they departed not from the sins of the house of Jeroboam, who made Israel sin, but walked therein, uh, and there remained the grove, a place of idolatrous worship, also uh, in in Samaria. So (laughs) Jehoaz comes in, continues in idolatry. The Lord says, I love you too much to allow you to continue in that. And so he, he calls the Syrians to come and correct them. Uh, Jehoaz cries out to the Lord. Repentance is implied uh, in verse 4. Verse 5, the Lord gave them one, a, a savior, or, or one evidently who did deliver them from the Syrians. Seems like that's good. They've been corrected. But there again, not unlike the time of the judges, once they've been delivered, once the pressure is off, once the the trial, the correction uh, is over, people jump right back into their sins again. Brother Mike, I look at that and I say, you know what, if if I'm being honest, I I know what that's all about. do you, do you ever just get disgusted with yourself? <laughs> you know, you, you, you know you sinned and, and God corrected you and you repented and you, you were thankful for the correction, but you found yourself in that sin again. You chose, you, you chose that again. No doubt we all know that. No doubt we all know that, that experience. Once the trial is over, you make all kinds of promises to God in the midst of a trial. Or people, people pray in a hospital, Lord, if you just get me out of here, I'll, I'll, I'll do right, I promise you. And, and sometimes people do get right, sometimes they don't. Um, but, you know, Rich, I, I look at this passage, I think about the judges, I think about our own lives and our own tendencies, uh, and, I, and I just have to conclude once again um, Israel just didn't didn't need a savior who would deliver them from trials. Israel needed a savior who would deliver them from the consequence of sin. And I think we know who that savior is, brother. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, their Messiah, and my savior also. Over and over and over again, we see people just cycling back into sin. And you, you, you see that, you, you know your own life, and you, you just have to let that cause you to be that much more thankful for Christ and the cross and the salvation that he offers us by grace through faith. If it was our obedience, we'd never be saved. We'd all be on our way to hell. Well, we have to be obedient to the gospel, understand that. But Lord, thank you uh, for a passage like this one reminds us of ourselves and, and certainly points to the need for the Lord Jesus, the cross, the blood that was shed to cover all of our sins. Uh, Verse 7, neither did he leave of the people to Jehoaz, but 50 horsemen and 10 chariots and 10,000 footmen. For the king of Syria uh, had destroyed them and had made them like the dust by threshing. So uh, during this time of of chastening, Syria had reduced uh, the army uh, of Israel very significantly. They had only 50 horsemen left, only 10 chariots, They did have 10,000 footmen, but uh, evidently this is a small portion of of what their army was uh, before the king of Assyria essentially destroyed their military power 
uh, their might. Verse 18, now the acts, the rest of the acts of Jehoaz and all that he did and his might, his strength, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles uh, of the kings of Israel? Jehoaz slept with his fathers, meaning what? He died. And they buried him in Samaria. And Joash, his son, uh, reigned in his stead. And uh, beginning in verse 10 now, you see Joash. Uh, he's a king in the north, Zach, so um, what may you conclude about Joash? Is he going to be uh, a good king or a bad king if he's a king in the north? The north, there were none, right? In the south, there were some. South, some. North, none. Uh, right. So he's going to follow in dad's footsteps also. And, you know, the, the example just passes from generation to generation. He didn't have to take up dad's bad example. He could have, uh, he could have truly, genuinely repented and been a godly leader. He was not. Look at verse 10. In the 30 and 7th year of Joash, king of Judah, began Jehoash, the son of uh, Jehoaz. The names are similar, but they're different. Began Jehoash, the son of Jehoaz, to reign over Israel, the northern kingdom, in Samaria, their capital, uh, and reigned 16 years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. That sounds familiar. Uh, he departed not from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, uh, but he walked therein, continued uh, in the idolatry um, of his forerunners. Uh, and the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did and his might wherewith he fought against uh, Amaziah, king of Judah, uh, that's just going to be described in, in the next chapter. You can make a note. That'll be seen uh, in chapter 14. Are they not written in the book of Chronicles of, of the kings of Israel? Joash slept with his fathers, verse 13. And Jeroboam sat upon his throne. Uh, and Joash was buried in Samaria with the kings uh, of Israel. So in the next chapter, we'll see uh, some details about this fight. But, you know, not, not much more than that recorded. He was an evil, wicked king. Uh, he, he's involved in a battle. We'll, we'll see that. But uh, for the most part, what's recorded about him is his wickedness. Brother Art, I hope that uh, when it comes time to remember our lives, that people remember something different, uh, that our reputation, our testimony, not perfect people, but saved people, whose lives were changed by the Lord and whose lives were different uh, because of Christ. We, we hope that's our testimony. We hope uh, that's what will be written. We hope that's what will be remembered, not for us, uh, but for Christ. Now, here in this chapter, we have Elisha, uh, the prophet, not Elijah, but his successor, Elisha. Uh, he dies in this chapter uh, but not before some, well, there's some miracles before, uh, and then there's some miracles associated with him uh, after he dies uh, that you may remember. Let's, let's see here, verse 14. Now Elisha, the prophet, was fallen sick of his sickness whereof he died. The last time he's going to get sick, he's going to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, not his literal father, but a, a spiritual leader. Oh, my father, my father, chariot of Israel and, and the horsemen thereof. Um, 
Elisha, when, when Elijah died, Elisha had cried out something similar. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel, um, they saw him no more, took hold of his clothes and rent them in, into pieces. Uh, a lot could be said about this, this verse and, and this saying. Uh, the, the, the death of Elijah was a major loss for Israel. Uh, Joash seems to understand that the death of Elisha similarly is a major loss for Israel in terms of his spiritual impact upon the people. Uh, that's a major thing. It's a major, it was a major loss uh, when they lost Elijah, losing his successor Elisha. Uh, is big deal. There's probably an allusion to that in, in this language. Uh, beginning in verse 15, Elisha teaches Joash uh, an object lesson. Uh, he, he, he teaches him um, to look to the Lord for some victories uh, that, that he will need. Look at, look at verse 15. Elisha said unto the, him, uh, take bow and arrows, and he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, uh, Put thine hand upon the bow. He put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hand uh, upon the king's hand. He said, Open the window eastward. He opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek, or perhaps as at Aphek, uh, till thou hast consumed them. He said, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground, uh, and he smote thrice uh, and stayed. So this is Elisha dealing with Joash. He seems to prophesy that uh, the Lord would use him to deliver the people from the chastening of Syria that we see earlier in the chapters. It seems like the chapter is not in completely chronological order. Uh, Elisha uh, prophesies to Joash that he's going to use, the Lord is going to use him to be that savior or deliverer that, that is uh, referred to or alluded to uh, earlier in the chapter. And he uses this object lesson of a, an arrow going out uh, toward uh, Syria uh, to illustrate this. Um, and so that would have been encouraging to him for sure. Aren't you glad when the Lord encourages you? Aren't you glad when the Lord encourages you? Brother, I need encouragement. Uh, I was gonna say some of the time, but all the time. Uh, aren't you glad that God has all kinds of ways to encourage us? And he does, right? The Lord has all kinds of ways to encourage us, sometimes through his word, sometimes through prayer, things that he lays upon your heart, encouragement that you receive from each other as God moves in your heart to encourage you to be an encourager. See, seeing someone, in, I'm encouraged tonight that Carolyn is able to be uh, back in church with us. That's big deal. That's a very big deal. We've been praying for that and, and hoping that the Lord would answer our prayer by making it possible for you to be back. And here you are. That's a big deal. And I'm encouraged that God's answered our prayer and enabled you to be here because 
I guess I'm selfish. I'm encouraged that you're here. <laughs> I know God's pleased that you're here, and I know that other people are encouraged that you're here, but I am too. I'm going to just take all the encouragement. Uh, thank you, sister, for being here, uh, and thank we, we praise God for making it possible for you to be here. Verse 19 is um, it's a little bit um, difficult. Um, the man of God was wroth with him. Uh, Elisha was angry at Joash uh, and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. I look back at verse 18. He said, Take the arrows, and he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground, uh, and he smote thrice and stayed or stopped. So he, he did this three times. Uh, smite the ground with the arrows. Th he, he did it three times, and, and then he stopped. And Elisha says to him, uh, he, he got angry and said, you know, you could have done it more than that. Uh, thou shouldest have smitten the ground five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. That's a little bit difficult. Um, it seemed to be the case that um, Elisha would have the king to understand in verse 18 that um, as he smote the ground with the arrows, that um, he was calling upon the Lord to give them a military victory for each time that he smote the ground. Uh, that, that by doing that, he was calling upon the Lord to accomplish a victory for them, and, and he did it three times. Um, was there something magical about smiting the ground? No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, but there would have been, as he did that, evidently, um, he, he did it calling upon the Lord uh, in faith that the Lord would give three victories as he smote the ground three times. Verse 17 pictures uh, an arrow in the Lord giving delivery. Verse 18, smite the ground. He smites three times, looking to the Lord for three victories. Uh, by the way, I, I, I can't help but think about, in a verse that's a little bit difficult like this, verses 18 and 19, um, doing something and the Lord, um, Lord delivering, Lord um, acting in response to our doing something, um, here's smiting the ground, but I think also about um, anointing with oil. By the way, is that a New Testament practice? When someone is sick, call for the elder or elders of the church to pray with you and anoint you with oil. That's absolutely a New Testament practice. If it's not for today, I wouldn't know how to argue biblically that it's not for today. And I've, I've spoken with some people about that recently. Um, if, if you have a serious illness, it is biblical to call for the pastor to come and anoint you with oil and to pray with you. What's going to yield an effect, the anointing with oil or the prayer that goes along with that? The prayer, right? Lord, is, Lord has said, hey, call, call for the elders and, and anoint with oil and, and, and pray. Uh, right, so that's a, that's a thing that you do uh, with faithful prayer. Um, the, the anointing is a picture uh, of your trusting in the Lord prayerfully to come upon that person and, and to bring healing. The oil itself has no magical, mystical properties. Uh, the Lord has supernatural power to heal 
in response to that kind of prayer. All that is pictured uh, in the anointing. And so I'll look here at, at verse 18 and 19. It's, it's different, but I, I, I see some parallels. Elisha said, take the arrow, smite the ground three times. He seems to be calling him to do that in faith, prayerfully, asking the Lord for three victories. Look at verse 19 again. The man of God was wroth with him, angry. He says, thou should have smitten five or six times. Uh, why not uh, look to the Lord for uh, enough vi victories in battle that you could win a war, that you not just win a few battles, but you win the war, that you conquer this enemy sort, sort of once and, and for all. Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria uh, but thrice. Now, I think there's a, a parallel here to something that we struggle with sometimes. Um, do we sometimes fail to pray when we should pray? Church? Yes. Amen. Do we sometimes fail to pray big prayers when we should pray big prayers? Do we? Sometimes we do. We accept God's will. Notes are getting away. <laughs> we accept God's will no matter what, right? We, we pray according to God's will, but, but sometimes you just know that you should pray a big prayer. You should smite the ground not three times, but five or six times looking for a really big answer to prayer uh, to conquer that big thing once and for all. Sometimes we should pray really big prayers, and we don't. Why? Why? Zach? Lack of faith. I, if that's not the answer, I don't know what it is. If there, is there anything else to it? Well, go ahead. No, you have to be willing to accept God's answer, whatever it is. I'm praying for this really big thing, but maybe God's answer is this little thing over here. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I hear you and I agree with you. No matter whether you're praying big prayer, little prayer, I feel like every time we pray and God answers, that's a big thing. But you know what I mean. By the way, it is a big thing. You pray a little prayer and God answers it, that's a big thing. But you, you know what I mean. Sometimes you just know that God would have you to pray a big prayer, like big thing, Brother Art. But we really don't. Or we don't continue to pray the way God has laid it upon your heart. You just don't do it. And there could be a variety of reasons. But, Zach, I, I think... I think that the, the explanation most of the time is that we just don't believe that God would answer that big prayer if he chose to, that, or that he could, that God could, could do that big thing uh, if he chose to. Um, has God ever done some big things? <laughs> Give me one, guys. Give me one. Big thing. He raised you up. Uh, I, I saw a man who was in the hospital bed, unable to see, not able to do anything. God, God changed that. A amen. Uh, God spoke the world into existence. Uh, 
uh, and sustains it supernaturally. Uh, God has established and sustained a little church in Trumbull, Connecticut, most supernaturally. The, God gets the credit, amen? Brings people in as, as he brings them and adds them, but yeah, he gets the credit most supernaturally. Um, by, well, I was going to say something else, but go ahead. Amen. God, I, I, I know you're laying upon my heart to pray this big prayer. Nonetheless, I'm going to pray it with a yielded heart, saying, acknowledging that it's okay, Lord, no, however you choose to answer, but I know you're calling me right now to pray a big prayer. Sometimes we just don't because we don't believe that God can answer the prayer, or we don't believe that he will answer the prayer. What are some reasons that we, we feel sometimes God won't answer a prayer? always does the right thing, right? Amen. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes um, we don't feel that we're worthy for God to answer a big prayer. Now listen, I understand, and the Bible shows us that there's times where our sin may hinder our prayers. And that's biblical principle, but we're sinners saved by grace, Brother Art. Um, so sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to pray that big prayer because there's no way God would answer that prayer for me. Well, he's a gracious God, and he's a merciful God, and he's in the miracle doing business for people who are sinners saved by grace. For our benefit, yes, but more so for his, for his honor and, and his glory. Um, this king has an imperfect faith. Uh, I don't think he, he thought that God would enable him to win a war, but maybe God would give him a few battles, and so... He sets his sights pretty low, one, two, three, rather than four, five, six, win the war. That seems to be the idea here. It seems to be the reason that um, Elisha is angry. Why don't you have a greater faith? Why don't you pray the big prayer? Why don't you ask God for everything that you need? So much is left on the table because we just don't ask God. And I know that's a biblical principle too. Um, let's... Let's um, quickly look at the last several verses here. Um, it's too good to skip. <laughs> it's too good to skip. Verse 20, Elisha died and they buried him. Burial is the biblical method of dealing with a deceased person. They did not burn him, they buried him. 
the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. So we've been dealing with Syria, now it's the Moabites. Uh, They come in attacking uh, at the new year, the Jewish new year, that would be in the spring. Um, Evidently, one of the invading Moabites died, uh, and he's cast into the tomb with Elisha. Elisha's dead, and they've buried him. One of these invaders dies, and they throw him in with Elisha. Verse 21, it came to pass as they were burying a man that, behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. Don't miss this, please. Verse 21, middle of verse 21. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he what? He revived. What does that mean? He came back to life. That's a miracle. He, he revived and stood up on his feet in the sepulcher, in, in the tomb. Could you imagine being there seeing this? Uh, wow. Wow. Um, He touched the body, uh, the bones, the body of Elisha. It says bones, bones of Elisha. Uh, He revived and and he stood up up upon his feet. Why did God do that? Why did God do that? What's that all about, Brother Mike? That's in my Bible. Um, It's there. Uh, It's not some weird occultic thing. God has a good and righteous uh, purpose for uh, this, this great miracle. Um, so quickly, uh, is there any way you suppose in, in which Elisha might be a picture of Christ? Uh, is, is, did Christ function as a priest? Yes, he did. Does he function as a prophet? Yes, he did. So any prophet could really be viewed as, as a, uh, a picture of Christ. There's probably lots of ways we could, we could take time and kind of consider that um, and consider how Elisha uh, alludes to or, or pictures Christ. Um, I would suggest this miracle is intended to picture uh, the power of Christ uh, as Elisha pictures Christ uh, and his, let me, let me take a half a step back, does Christ have power to give spiritual life to those who were spiritually dead? Does he? Amen. I was spiritually dead when I first sinned, and when I came to Christ with a humble, repentant faith, in a moment, he gave me new life. I was born again spiritually. Uh, My Savior revived me. I was spiritually dead. He revived me. He gave me uh, new life, made me spiritually alive again. And so uh, that may well be pictured here. Uh, Think about this. if you die before the rapture, is your body going to stay in a tomb, in a sepulcher forever? It's not. It's going to be revived, right? Uh, because uh, you've been saved by grace through faith in Christ, uh, and he is going to catch us up in the air. Uh, if, we're, if we're dead and buried at the time of the rapture, He's going to cause us to be resurrected out of our tomb, uh, out of our grave, to meet him in the air, uh, our physical body perfected, reunited with our spirit uh, for all of eternity, incorruptible. Uh, That's our hope, the resurrection uh, of our bodies unto uh, incorruption, perfected and incorruptible. That's our hope. And so I look at this and I say, well, this is not a weird 
thing at all, Marilyn. This almost definitely has to allude to Christ who makes us alive again spiritually and who will raise our bodies and make them alive again physically. Uh, this is a wonderful reminder. Remember, Christ said the whole Old Testament's about him. Don't forget that. He said that. He said the whole Old Testament is, is about me. He didn't say it exactly like that, but that's the gist of what he said. And so uh, here's, a, here's a place where you, it's good to be reminded that as you read the Old Testament, you do well to read it through the lens of what Christ said. It's about me. Uh, and so we should always be searching for how does this picture Christ? How does this verse or this passage or this principle point to Christ? Well, verse 21 really pretty clearly points to Christ and, and praise God for that. I'm not spiritually dead tonight because of Christ. Uh, I, if I die before the rapture, my body will not stay in the tomb, the grave, forever. It will be raised. It will be revised because of Christ. Because of Christ. Because of Christ. Amen? Uh, that's pictured pretty, pretty clearly here. One man says this may picture the truth that Israel will come to spiritual life again uh, as a nation. That's an interesting thought, but this is not an Israeli man uh, who's, who's resurrected here. At least I don't understand it that way. It's just an interesting thought, though, possibility. Um, and then Joash, and we're done. Joash gets three victories. He, uh, he smote the ground three times, looking to the Lord prayerfully for three victories. Uh, and the Lord gave them. He, he prayerfully asked for three victories. God gave them to him. Verse 22, but Hazael, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoaz. Remember, this chapter does not seem to be chronological. The Lord was gracious unto them and had compassion on them and had respect unto them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We could say more about that. We won't for time's sake tonight. I would not destroy them, neither cast he them from his presence as yet. Uh, verse 24, so Hazael, king of Syria, died... And Benadad, his son, raised in his stead. Uh, and Jehoaz, Je sorry, Jehoash, the son of Jehoaz, took again out of the hand of Benhadad, the son of Hazael, the cities, which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoaz, his father, by war. Uh, and then three times did Joash beat him and recovered the cities of Israel. Uh, evidently, he prayed back when he smote the ground with the arrows three times, looking to the Lord, faithfully prayed, uh, and the Lord answered uh, graciously, verse 23. God answered that prayer and accomplished those victories. Um, Lord, help us to be prayerful, to be faithful. Uh, Lord, help us to pray all the prayers that you lay upon our hearts. God, if you lay big prayers upon our hearts, give us grace to pray big prayers. Uh, Lord, always praying according to your will, but if we sense your will is to pray for big prayers, Lord, give us, give us hearts to do that. Give us faith to do that, to be prayerful and faithful in our prayers. Let's pray, please. Father, we do thank you tonight for a chapter like this. It's extraordinary. Lord, you begin tonight by reminding us again that our choices have consequences. We choose obedience. You bless. You bless. We benefit from that, but you're glorified. You're honored by that. Father, when we choose to disobey, you love us enough to correct us. 
Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. That correction is hard as it was here, but it's needful, and we thank you. Lord, I pray tonight that you give us hearts to remember uh, to stand guard against the tendency to return to our sin once the correction has been lifted. Lord, help us to remember that men throughout history have fallen into that trap. Give us hearts to stand guard against that prayerfully. Lord, prayerfully asking you for grace and strength to not fall back into the sin that we've just repented of when you lift the chastening hand that led us to pray in the first place. God, give us hearts to truly repent, to turn, looking to you for grace, to forsake that sin. Lord, I thank you tonight that there is strength available in you to do just that, to do just that. Father, I thank you tonight for what I believe to be an extraordinary picture of our Savior. Lord, I know tonight that I can prevail against sin. I can forsake sin only because of Christ, the one who is pictured here tonight. Thank you for a Savior who saves me from the consequence of my sin. But Lord, help us not to forget that we can pray a big prayer. Lord, help me to forsake sin. Not just trusting that, oh, the eternal consequences, I've been saved from them. Oh, Lord, give us hearts to forsake sin for your pleasure, for your honor, and for your glory. Father, I understand tonight that will take some big prayers, some big faith. We ask you for that tonight. for your honor and for your glory. Give you a minute to pray. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. Father, I love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please. Lead us in our next song. We'll stay together for prayer time tonight. All right? You, you come, please. All right, let's stand as we turn to number 264. We'll sing Sweet Hour of Prayer, number 264.
my Father's throne may call my wants and wishes known. In seasons of distress and grief, my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, thy wings shall my petition bear to him whose truth fullness engage the waiting soul to bless and since he bids me seek his face his word and trust his grace i'll cast on him my every care and wait for the sweet hour of prayer and the last sweet hour a prayer, sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share, till from Mount Pig's of lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize, and shout while passing through the air Farewell, farewell, sweet hour of prayer. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, if you have your prayer list. Brother Art, I'm going to ask you to open tonight, please. Pray for our nation. A number of requests here. Uh, Brother Richard, you take the next section, please. Uh, pray for our church ministries. It says Saturday outreach in Bridgeport. However, this week we will not, will not conduct outreach. We'll be back at it, Lord willing, the following Saturday. We've got a, uh, a good schedule uh, to begin the new year with, so 